It is tag deadline day, franchise tag deadline day for NFL teams. They had to make a decision. They had to inform players by 3 o'clock central today whether or not they were franchising players. And that has come and gone. And six players have received the news. Probably bad news for them, which is kind of an oddity when you think about it. But starting with the Ravens, they franchise tagged Lamar Jackson to the non-exclusive deal. So that means that he will play on the number of $32.4 million this season unless he can secure a contract from another team. And if he can, that team will have to supply the Ravens with two first-round picks if the Ravens choose not to match whatever deal the team provides to Lamar Jackson. So that is where Lamar Jackson currently sits. He has to go out and seek a contract from some team. He can start doing that next Wednesday. Also, I'm going to go in order of amount of money, Tyler. Duran, the tag? Yes. Okay. Duran Payne got the franchise tag from the Washington Commanders. We knew that probably about a week ago that that was likely to happen. It has officially ha- happened, and uh, that means the Commanders will owe Duran Payne $18.9 million this season. Tough for Bears fans. Yes, because he was certainly a target that a lot of people liked as a elite pass rusher from the defensive tackle, that three-technique position. Evan Engram got it from the Jacksonville Jaguars. He will make $11.3 million next season. And then three running backs. It is the fate of the running back in this league <laughs> where you are not going to make money. That is just, and I, you know, I say that, of, of course, anybody would be happy to earn $10.1 million per season. But most running backs would like to go out and try and make more. But Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, and Tony Pollard will not be able to do so because they have all been franchised by the Giants, the Raiders, and the Cowboys. The it's an interesting list here because you look at it and I think a part of the interesting part would have been to see how Ryan Poles would have attacked some of these guys, right? You've brought up over the course of this offseason the names like Saquon and Josh Jacobs and seeing, all right, let's see what the philosophy of Ryan Poles is at the running back position because that's one of the most polarizing things among front office circles right now. And I always made the point with the caveat, I understand. Like paying running backs generally mm-hmm. is not a great business decision, but we've been over it time and time again that the Bears have so much cap room. Right. They still have to get to the floor, right? And so I always looked at Barkley and Jacobs as two guys who, if they got to the free agent market, knowing the way this league does not necessarily value running backs, maybe there would be a decent buying opportunity. Right. If you had... 20 million in cap space, then no, you're not making this sort of move here. But if you've got 100 million, you can stomach it a little more. Oh, listen, I'm not in favor of it. All right. It's not something that I would do. I think there, you've got too many other glaring needs littered across your roster to be investing heavily in a running back. But yeah. it's something that if the Bears, maybe if a couple of these guys that they signed last offseason to some of these prove it type of deals, if they had blossomed and shown that, okay, they could be a part of your future and build on, on something, and maybe if you hit on a few more draft picks, maybe if you weren't as worried about someone like Bayless Jones, if you weren't worried mm-hmm. about some of the other guys that you brought in, then maybe things are a little bit different, and you're more willing to go out and spend that type of money on a guy like Barkley or Jacobs. But right now, we're not even going to see if they have an opportunity to because this is the sort of the fate that they're in right now. It's really going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. What 
what players in free agency will Ryan Poles be interested in, right? Like, and, you know, we just mentioned some of the Especially keepers. in a bad crop, too. Yeah. Like, the one guy who did not get tagged today who I think uh, might be of interest is uh, Draymond Jones yes. of the Broncos. He had, he's a defensive tackle. He also plays a little bit of end, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of money he's looking for. I believe he had six and a half sacks, if memory serves correct here. And He's been consistent. Like yes. year to year getting to the quarterback. And he's somebody who I know Vic Fangio was, he was there in Denver when they drafted him. He was really a Vic Fangio guy. Vic Fangio now heading up the Dolphins defense. It'll be interesting to see if, you know, he tries to make a play for him because he was, you know, largely responsible for him being drafted in Denver. So will Vic try and lure him to Miami or will the Bears, who clearly need some help on the defensive line, and again, when he looks like probably the best young asset, right? Like, because he's 26. So he's somebody who, you know, if the Bears invest in him, he could be, you know, a good uh, play for the long term, as opposed to somebody like uh, Hargrave, the defensive tackle from the Eagles, who's right. 30 years old. Right. And then I think one of the other notable names that wasn't tagged today as well is Caleb McGarry, yes. uh, a guy on the, the right side of the offensive line. You know, Everyone's been talking about Mike McGlinchey as that name that's been tied to the Bears. Ugh. And I think it's, yeah, like <laughs> you kind of laid it out perfectly there. Not an appetizing one to a lot of Bears fans. If you've watched a lot of uh, San Francisco 49er football there. But McGarry, that's an interesting one because he's still on the younger side, 28 years old right now. And on top of that, he's, he plays on the right side. So now you've got another option outside of McGarry that may, or outside of McGlinchey, I should say, I'm getting my, my Irishman your, your mix. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all, all tangled up here. But um, uh, you've got another option now that maybe you didn't think was going to be available to you at the start of the free agency period. Yeah, no. So it'd be fascinating to see how that plays out because, again, uh, Ryan Poles has been of like, he can't. He cannot wait to tell everybody about how this number one pick is available for anybody who wants to get it. But when it comes to free agency, he's been very diplomatic about saying they want to retain flexibility for the years to come. It sounds like Ryan Poles is not going to make a big splash. He's not going to break the bank for some of these free agents. And it, it may be largely due to the, the players available in free agency right now. And maybe nobody really is going to blow him away in terms of the talent that's out there. And so maybe they just say, you know what, let's, we're going to, we're going to try and bring in some guys who will be, you know, good veterans who can help, you know, bring up the level of play a little bit here, but they're not, but maybe next year they they have their eyes on, you know, breaking the bank for a key free agent when they're maybe a little more convinced about what they have on the roster as a whole. And I think you too, you also, you want to try to sprinkle in, some of the building pieces, like this is the perfect time to do it. When you've got this much cap space, mm-hmm. you kind of look at it like the quote-unquote Eagles model, right? What they did, they've been building that offense and defensive line for years. And then occasionally you you got to add a couple pieces here and there. Like this last offseason, they go out and they add Hassan Reddick to the mix, and it makes them even more dangerous on that defensive front. But that offensive line has been built up for years, right? Like, yeah. 
Lane Johnson's been there for a while. Of course. He Jason was, he, Kelsey. They were both, those were two of the yes. linchpins on the first time exactly. the Eagles made it to the Super Bowl and actually won it. So this is a building process here, and this is a guy, McGarry, or maybe it ends up being Orlando Brown. Like These are the pieces that you start to use now to anchor down those lines in the trenches mm-hmm. because if you can have that as sort of the sustainable parts, and then you go out and make the splashy move to get the, the bigger name player in the next offseason or in the next draft, something of that nature, then you got yourself in, in a Super Bowl championship caliber realm. Let's try Chase, who's on the south side. What's going on, Chase? Yo, Tyler. Uh, Miller, what's happening, guys? What's up, Chase? What's happening? Hey, 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 man. Hey, I was going to call in about the whole thing about field with mm-hmm. uh, Capital fan. You know, um, I was just saying to myself, you know, when he was saying about what Phil's biggest weakness was, about why he's not sold on him because he said about how he doesn't uh, process things and he's not uh, holds on the ball too long. And I was just saying, like, you know, this is kind of what we've been saying for a long time, that this is nothing new. We, we've all knew this, you know. And I feel like, to me, I feel like with, with more time, he will eventually evolve with a better quarterback. But the di- I think the difference um, with, this, with, the, with this situation compared to – um, the situation with Mitch is that the Bears, you know, if they able, if Poles makes the right decision and he, <clears throat> he, you know, makes the right trades as far as getting extra draft pick, there's a way out. You're not stuck. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're not stuck. Yeah. So, I mean, we all, I mean, look, Poles knows, Poles knows Fields needs to get better. I'm pretty sure he had all, they all had a talk. And they probably told him and had to sit down and say, "Look, man, you got you got to get it together. You know, we yeah. we're going to build a team around you, but we, we need to see improvement." He know Fields knows that, and we just got to see how better he can be. But as far as the the, the free agency wise, you know, there's a reason why these guys are available for agency. And like, say for an example, let's say the Bears bank, blow the bank on Orlando Brown um, from the from the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yes, we will want them to make that move, but then in the back of your mind, you got to think to yourself, well, what is it about him that – why is he available? Well, they are you know, going to the, the negotiating table with him, too. No, like no, they no, met no, yesterday. No, no, I understand that. I, no, no, I get that. I, I'm, I'm understanding, but I'm just saying just – let's just – I'm just saying just in case. Let's just say the Chiefs decide they're not moving forward with him and they're going a different direction. They're not going to pay him. Then – we know we always say well, when Claypool was available, why is he available? What's what's going on with you? Because the Chiefs are a great organization. If they see something. What what, what is the problem? You, you get what I'm saying, yeah. though, right? There's a reason why so, you're available. If you were great, if you were this great of a player, you're not available. They they see something that they know. That's why they're saying we're not going to overpay for a guy that we know that he's good. But what's his ceiling? Well, you know, teams see it. All the time, and they're not gonna they're not gonna bank the bank on a player who they know that hey we're not gonna overpay for guys like more times than not great players don't hit free agency yeah. rarely you see you either gotta acquire them through a trade or you have to draft them you're not gonna see a player hit free agency unless he's cut which is very highly often but that's the only point I'm trying to make as far as uh, the free agency wise goes no I, but, I we I think we we hear you Chase like there it's a it's a buyer beware situation, right. but what Tyler started to bring up there, they are up until the deadline passed today. 
they were negotiating with him, and we haven't seen any word come down that they got a deal done. It's not impossible that we do find let it get word late tonight, like if people are, you know, if they want to keep it under wraps. But I, I, I suspect we would have heard by now that the Chiefs got a deal done with Orlando Brown, had they, right? And the other part, too, is if you, like Chase says, good players don't go to free agency. And to a degree, I agree with that. But the flip side of that is when good players do hit free agency, usually it's because there's a good quarterback in place that's absorbing a yes. lot of the cap space. And yes. in the case of the Chiefs, not only is it a, a, a generational quarterback, but it's a generational tight end. Yeah. Like Tyreek Hill is not on that team anymore because you had to find different ways. You had to start to get creative with your money. And Tyreek Hill was a casualty of that. Orlando Brown might end up being the next casualty of yeah. that. It's the the, the great thing that or it's the the tough thing when you pay a quarterback as much as you pay them. The positive is they franchised Orlando Brown last year, right? Yes. Like they deemed they him valuable him. enough and then they were still discussing a deal with him today that they were trying to hammer out. You know, now whether or not the parameters like we can all have the discussion about whether Orlando Brown will end up being worth what he ends up getting in free agency. Chances are you'll probably say you'll probably end up saying no, maybe not. But what the Chiefs were willing to spend on him, you know, you could make the argument that where the Bears are at, it could still be a value for them to add him at their left tackle spot, flip Braxton Jones over at right tackle, end up making the you know make the bookends of your line better in both mm-hmm. situations and it could still be a good deal for the bears right and like tyler said though mahomes kelsey chris jones yes. all these players have gotten paid by the chiefs and so they're looking at it saying again we would like you orlando brown but we also understand there's only so much to go around and so they are in that weird position where they have to make a decision there's only a certain number they can go to with him that could be why the Bears end up being fortunate in this situation. And this isn't basketball. This isn't baseball where you can go into some sort of tax. No, th- th- this is a hard cap in the NFL. You cannot go past this threshold. Yes. And you cannot pay a, a little bit extra to go into some sort of threshold. No, it's a hard stop at, at the, what is it, like $225 well, million or whatever it is now? And I think probably, too, what the Chiefs are looking ahead at is uh, Creed Humphrey, their Pro Bowl center, and Joe Thune, their guard, their Pro Bowl guard, both those players will become free agents next year. I think they probably think both those players are more valuable to them than Orlando Brown is. So I think this is why why you're seeing right now a situation where the Chiefs are like, look, we can only go to this number at Plus that point. The the left tackle premium too, like yeah. you may be able to get right. Joe Thune and Creed Humphrey for the same price per year as you're going to end up paying Absolutely. for Orlando Brown. Yes. And and it's a better use of your resources. Right, exactly. Why not keep two spot, two pro bowlers on your line as opposed to just one? That's Tyler Aki. I'm Jeff Meller. Chase just brought up to the story that Cap told us about uh, running into an NFL executive in Vegas and how that NFL executive laid out why he's not sold on Justin Fields. Guess what? The Bears head coach Matt Eberflus talked about how Justin Fields needs to get better. We'll share that with you next here on ESPN 1000. Spring, spring, spring trading days on the new home of the Chicago Bears. ESPN Chicago.
here till 8 o'clock tonight. Talking lots of Bears and NFL as the franchise tag deadline has come and gone. And a lot of it affects what teams might be in on trading with the Bears for the number one overall pick. Are some teams interested now that a league MVP, one-time league MVP at 26 years old, is on the free agency block? If you want him, go and get him. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens have tagged him with the non-exclusive deal, which means that any team that is interested can go out and negotiate with him and try and come to a contract. And if the Ravens don't want to match it, that team will owe the Ravens two first-round picks and can have Lamar Jackson services if they would like them. So it's an interesting, unique time. I don't believe uh, an NFL quarterback at the age of 26 who has won a league MVP has ever been available. So it is a very interesting, interesting development that we have had here today. And, of course, because the Bears have the number one overall pick, well, maybe just maybe any team that wants the quarterback, maybe they've got a viable alternative to trading with the Bears. And so maybe it hurts Ryan Poles' negotiating position just a little bit. What we do know is that the Bears, while they like Justin Fields, they clearly know that he is not a finished product. Matt Eberflus was on Pardon My Take with Ryan Poles the other day. And, of course, you can hear Barstool Big Cat every Tuesday, usually at 4 o'clock. He was not on today because he was on yesterday. But Barstool Big Cat and PFT Commenter, their podcast, Poles and Eberflus were on with them. And they talked about Justin Fields' growth and how he still has things to work on. I think mostly you'll hear from Matt Eberflus in this clip. It was cool to see the maturation, you know, during the course of the year, um, you know, him learning the new offense, you know, and then, you know, midway through kind of take off, you know, we, you know, scored a lot of points during that time and uh, he really took ownership of that. And, uh, you know, his leadership just kept growing and growing and growing during the course of the year. So um, certainly excited about that. Like I've stated, you know, obviously he has things to work on like, like everybody else on the team does and uh, to grow, into the second year. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. So there you go. I mean, the Eberflus, clearly they are complimentary of their quarterback, but they have done, I think they've done what they can to support him without giving him, you know, the keys to the franchise. I love the way that this entire coaching staff has gone about coaching Justin Fields this year because they never let him get too high and I don't think they ever let him get too low. I think they take a very realist approach to what Justin Fields is as a quarterback in this league so far. They say, yes, these splashy run plays are great. It's a, I mean, in a league where chunk plays can be a Band-Aid for lack of efficiency, Justin Fields has certainly done that for them. But at the end of the day, if you want to make life easier on, on yourself as a quarterback in this league, rely less and less on some of those splash plays and go out and make some of these easy throws and, and go out and make some of these big-time throws as well. And just to reiterate remember, reiterate, remember, the final five games of the season that Justin Fields did start, the final five, the Bears failed to score 21 points in any of them. They scored 20 against the Eagles, but the rest of the game, they, they didn't score 21 points. They didn't get three touchdowns against any of the teams in the final five games of the season. So clearly Justin Fields has ways to go for this team to truly be a contender. And that's, you know, as much as the highlight plays that you mentioned are fun and they get us excited and they show us the possibilities of what he's capable of, 
which is undeniable. You know, it's everything that Anthony Richardson, if you're dreaming on him yes. as a player right. in this league, you, you know, Justin Fields seems to be capable of virtually everything that Anthony Richardson is, right? But there is still more work that needs to be done by Justin Fields. And um, I'm trying to, uh, who was the previous call? Was it Chase? Chase, Chase who mentioned, yeah. uh, you know, what Cap talked about on the during the Waddle and Sylvie time slot today with Carmen. Cap ran into, serendipitously enough, in Vegas. He was playing blackjack, and he ended up sitting with an NFL executive. And that person, just through the course of conversation, mentioned how they work in the league. And he talked about how that Justin Fields is not the guy in Chicago. And most people in the league know that. Now, what he said was that Justin Fields is a starting caliber player, but he's not necessarily someone that you can win with long-term in this league, right? right? Not sustainable offense. Correct. Now, what I will say is that right now, I think that's an accurate scouting report of Justin Fields, but I would suggest that a lot of people felt the same way about Jalen Hurts before he entered this year, right? Yes. I think a lot of people, I included, was questioning Jalen Hurts as a processor in the pocket and wasn't, I didn't believe that you could necessarily win uh, consistently consistently with Jalen Hurts. But I'll readily admit that if you surround him with enough talent and in the right offense, I think Jalen Hurts has proven that he can win at an MVP level. And honestly, may have had his best game aside from one play in the Super Bowl, right? He was fantastic. Yes, in a game he lost, he was fantastic. And the Eagles scored 35 points, you know? Mm -hmm. And they were right there with the Chiefs for the most part. Had it not been for an ill-timed, unfortunate fumble that went the other way for the Chiefs, the Eagles very well could have been hoisting the Lombardi Trophy. An unforced fumble at that, too. But aside from that one play, and that wasn't a processing, you know, faux pas in the pocket. It was just a dumb play by Hertz where he didn't secure the ball, right? Right, yeah. Other than that, he was almost um, impeccable throughout the Super Bowl. So while Justin Fields does need to grow, it's not impossible he gets there ultimately. He just needs to continue to work, and they need to surround him with more talent on the Bears. I think one of the things, there's a stat tweeted out by, by Warren Sharp about a couple weeks ago. Talking about the Bears and, and the opening drive scoring. You know, the Bears were the number one opening drive offense in the entire league last year. I did not. I did they not were number that. one. They scored on 70.6% of their opening drives. They had the fewest punts per drive, the third most points. The f- they were number four in drives to reach the red zone and number four in EPA per play. Mm-hmm. Expected points added per play in the NFL last year on the opening drive. Like, they were fantastic. But how many times do you remember those opening drives Resulting in field goals. I was right? I was just going to ask that follow up question. And I don't have the exact numbers of which were field goals and how many were touchdowns here, but I think that's the perfect example of what this really what this was as a as the Justin Fields experience last year, right? Like there's enough to intrigue you, but not enough to totally sell you mm-hmm. either, right? Yeah. yeah, there's there's something there. Mm-hmm. But all right, let's see what the next step is yes. now for Justin Fields. Needs to do a lot of work in the offseason now that he'll be in the second year under Luke Getze. 
there should be plenty of opportunities to grow, and we expect that the Bears... And you know what? You bring up Luke Getze, this is a hell of a credit to him, this statistic right here. Yeah. Because you talk about the first 15 script that he's game planning for this team. Sure. Boom. Here's your first 15. Number one scoring opening drive offense in in all of football. You guys go out and they give him, you know, plays to run and they do so well and they get started well and now they need to adjust. And again, Justin Fields needs to get better. And I don't know if it's possible they run out with less talent than they did just by being no, a, a, a different team next year, they will have more offense on the field. I don't care what they do. Somehow, some way, just by having different bodies out there, they should have a better offensive line. They should have some better receivers. So you know, They should have some better talent around Justin Fields to excel next year. Well, one of my biggest things for this offseason is, is that if you get a number of these positions to just average – you don't yes. have to go out and get a start. Just make Dude, it average. Completely and agree. And this will be an astronomically better team next like, year. Like, I'm not so concerned. Like, I think whatever Ryan Poles does in free agency in the draft, there should be lots of upgrades coming on this offense, right? You look around at the 22 starting players, the 11 on offense, the 11 on defense. We know, um, I, I don't expect David Montgomery to be back, but I don't think it's going to be a huge loss, right? The offensive line has to get better. Like, just different players like they should be better right and like i'm sorry it'd be hard to be worse you're you're really good with numbers is there a war equivalent to football see the problem is i have never seen a really good breakdown because everything is so intertwined and that's oftentimes what i've seen like pro football focus tries to do their best with their with their grade but obviously you've you've heard enough from yurko and and waddle to be like they shrug their shoulders and go can you really have a legitimate grade but if we were to if this bears team were literally to start to get their roster to a bunch of zero war players yes that equivalent you will see a significant leap from last year to this year and honestly the depth should get better because you're bringing in new players and it can't it just doesn't seem like it can get worse worse, right like yeah if the players who you currently have as starters get kicked back on the roster and become reserves or even if you replace them it the roster should be much better next year somehow some way it's almost like it can't possibly be worse let's try tom who's in glendale heights hey tom you're on with meller and aki hey guys um so i'm i'm looking at the what will happen with the draft but but going through the process it's you know what has changed so far and then what will eventually change like so far you know with lamar jackson I'm not going to say anything's changed yet until I see somebody willing to give two first-round draft picks and have to sign him. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but the big change so far is Seattle, because Seattle did give Geno some a good amount of money. Does that rule them completely out of drafting a quarterback? I'm not going to say never, but it, it definitely the percentage goes down that they're drafting a quarterback. More likely that they go defense or that they trade back. So for me right now, that's the big the big change so far, because... Like if you're the Bears, are you if you trade back to four with the Colts, then you know there, if there's a quarterback on the board, the team who wants to trade up with you might just say, well, we'll wait and trade with Seattle. It's kind of like like the White or, uh, the Bears have leverage over Houston because Houston needs a quarterback. Arizona currently has leverage over the Colts because the Colts probably need a quarterback. So with this kind of situation, Seattle not needing a quarterback, I wonder if you can trade back as far as you want. Or maybe you just trade back to, like, nine. But the good news is still, even though Seattle kind of said that they're probably not drafting a quarterback, you still have, like, six teams who will likely want to draft a quarterback and trade with you. So that's still good. Yeah, no, like, I think, like, I actually disagree with that. 
I, I disagree because I think you look at what this quarterback class is. Mm-hmm. What's the one thing we've heard time and time again, whether it's from analysts or whether it's from just using your own eyes? All of these guys have major flaws to their game. Mm-hmm. And what that allows you to do, especially when you draft in the first round and you get the luxury of that fifth-year option, you can let these guys sit for a year or two, especially if you look at a some of these project quarterbacks like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. That may be Those may be names that intrigue Seattle enough where they'll trade up or, or try to make some sort of move to move up the draft board to get one of these guys, be behind Geno Smith for a year or two, and then you spring him out there. I do wonder if the Jalen Carter bombshell that dropped made it easier for Ryan Poles to go out and auction this pick off. Because I think you're, Jay, saying you're more comfortable moving further I th- back. I like think into the, I, the and not because nine, he wa- I think the idea. 12. I think it's possible with what happened with Jalen Carter. They the Bears may have crossed him off their board now, at least in terms of picking him in the top 10, right? And I think that has made it easy because like the idea of moving, wanting to stay at two or four to try and land a Carter or maybe an Anderson, one of the two, right? Right. And maybe it's become easier for Ryan Poles to make peace with the idea that, listen, you know, Jalen Carter's got too much stuff surrounding him. I don't necessarily want to make my first, you know, real comprehensive pick as the Bears GM and tie everything up in a player who clearly has some character issues, which I shrug. Like, I don't, you, if you're Ryan Poles, all you can do is sit there and shrug. If you're going to take Jalen Carter, that's fine. You're going to bet on the talent, but you can't know going forward that Jalen Carter won't be an issue character wise, right? right? Like, if something happens down the road with Jalen Carter, everyone's going to tell you, I told you, or not even I told you so, but look. You had all the signs pointing to you that something was amiss. Right. So if you, it's buyer beware with Jalen Carter. If you go ahead and draft the talent, you know that if you get, if you end up getting bit on the back end, you better correct the character. It's it, and I don't know if you can know that going forward. All you can do is say the signs are there that this could be an issue down the road. It's always easier to take players with character issues. When it, you're not investing a top 10 pick in them, right? And I think it depends, too, on the culture that you're inserting them into as well. Like, this is a group, a, a head coach, a quarterback, and a GM all on their first contracts in their respective jobs. Mm-hmm. This isn't bringing them into Seattle with Pete Carroll or bringing them into Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin or New England with mm-hmm. Bill Belichick. Yeah. Like, you got to put them in the right situations, too, to succeed if you if you are going to take that sort of gamble right there. Because otherwise you're just crossing your fingers and hoping that history doesn't repeat itself with a player who has shown you on a couple of, a couple of occasions now that uh, he drives recklessly. And again, that could be, you know, the very least of your problems. You just don't know. I do wonder if Jalen Carter's issues has made it easier for Ryan Poles to make peace with looking at one of those other, quote, blue players that he's mm-hmm. looking at um, that he mentioned in Peter King's column the other day here. Uh, and again, Peter King joined us on Waddle and Sylvie yesterday, talked a little bit about it. Maybe we'll play a little bit of Peter King for you. Also, though, we've got mock drafts, not one, multiple bo- mock drafts. We're going to give you dueling mock drafts coming up next here on ESPN 1000. You're listening to Spring Trading Tuesday on ESPN Chicago. Mellor Naki in 
the Black and Abdallah time slot this evening as we've had spring trading going on all day long. And you'll get plenty more spring trading coming your way every Tuesday in March as we mix up the hosts here on ESPN 1000. Give you a little bit of a different feel with uh, hosts working with different hosts. And so you don't get your normal pairings. Let's try Tio in Elgin. Tio, what's going on, bud? Hey, Jeff and Tyler. How are you guys doing? What's going on, Tio? Good, good. Uh, hey, Jeff, first I want to say congrats on your Liverpool scoring a touchdown <laughs> against Manchester United. Oh, I, I loved it, it, man. It was fabulous. It was so good. It's been a rough year for Liverpool fans, but you know what? When you throttle your rival 7-0, uh, it feels good. Thanks, yeah. bud. Thanks, Tio. Yeah, so I got a question about the draft. You know, with the Birds having a number one pick and, uh, you know, trading down like multiple times. Mm-hmm. I want to know how far down you guys would go and what you guys think about maybe trying to get the offensive lineman from, um, from oh, sorry, Northwestern? Peter Skaransky. Sure, sure. Yeah, and um, because he said he's, he's from Chicago, but he grew up a Packers fan, so I want to know what you think oh, about that. cross him off the board, Tio. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no, you can't do so that. So I'll, I'll, I'll listen now. Hang up and... Thanks for taking my call. No problem, Tio. Thanks for listening, man. We appreciate it, as always. Okay, so you know what? This sets us up perfectly, Tio, because when we came in today, I uh, I said to Tyler, one of the first things I said is I go, you know what? Everybody's got multiple uh, mock drafts out. Sure enough, I saw three different mock drafts that were released today. I said, this is a perfect opportunity for us to go with the old dueling banjos theme. Let's go. Dueling mock drafts, Tyler. All right, let's do it. So, but, but wait, 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 wait. I said, do you even know what dueling banjos are? And, and I you said, said, no. You said, I have no, no idea, idea what the hell you're talking about, old man. Are you going to explain it to me or not? And I said, <laughs> I don't want to explain it to you, but go check out dueling banjos on YouTube. Uh, dueling banjos from Deliverance. And I also look, look across the glass right now at Nick and Kendra. Both are fairly young. Do you guys have any idea what the hell dueling banjos are? Couldn't tell you <laughs> at all. Okay, just like deliverance. About. Oh, yeah. so all right. I was a film student, so I wasted enough My time. My man, to, uh, all right, Nick. Deliverance, dueling banjo. Nikki coming through. At least he knows what the hell we're talking about. So for all the younger folks out there, you've probably heard dueling banjos. Maybe, maybe too, if you had a little bit of Bugs Bunny in your life growing up, you got a little bit of the cartoon version. When you hear this, this is Dueling Banjos from, as Nick just mentioned, the film Deliverance. Of course, the Burt Reynolds vehicle, the 19, I believe, 73, early 70s. I think it was 73, maybe 72. But, um, yes, the classic scene of a young boy. Clearly something is amiss with this young boy. Who knows how to play the banjo? And of course, one of our one of our uh, heroes in the film, and I say that loosely because it's a weird film, uh, ends up going toe to toe as they battle with banjos, going back and forth. Right? I will say when I was you sent me the clip of it. Yes, and I watched it. It was like three and a half minutes, I think. Yep. I feel like I needed some context. Yes. Because I was lost. I just saw this little kid appearing out of nowhere. But like, you have to admit, he looks a bit odd, right? He does, You're in yes. the backwoods. Looks off. Something's yeah. going on. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't seem right, if you will. Well, 
Listen, you're going to have to go, ha- go ahead and watch the entire film of Deliverance. There's certainly a scene there that uh, will change you, I think, if you okay. watch it. But nevertheless, this is our version of Dueling Mock Drafts. Let's get it going. You've got Todd McShay. I've got Dane Brugler in front of me. Dueling Mock, ja- mock Drafts to uh, answer T.O.'s question. Could the Bears trade back multiple times? All right, so McShay at number one. Has the Bears trading out? He has a projected trade with the Indianapolis Colts. He says, I'd guess the package would include something like the number four pick, a second rounder, a fifth rounder, and maybe even a 2024 round one selection, and the Colts ultimately drafting Bryce Young. Interesting. Dane Brugler and his mock draft has the Bears trading out with the Indianapolis Colts. He has the Bears receiving number four, number 35, and a 2024 first-round pick. And with that, he's got the Colts selecting C.J. Stroud. I will say, you bring up that this is dueling mock drafts. I do think there is a a duel happening here because I looked at the, mm-hmm. the publication times. Uh-huh. Dane Brugler's came out at 6 a.m. McShay, like it's the scheduled 6 yes, a.m. drop for the mock draft. McShay, 5.50 a.m. Crafty Ooh. move there. Getting his mock out first. Interesting. All right, so the next trade that we've got here. The Bears trading back again at number four, making a move with the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, this would be the second trade that, and there isn't any return here, but McShay does write, the Bears would be the third team since 1967 to trade twice in the top 10 of a draft, joining the 83 Oilers and the 97 Jets, according to ESPN Stats and Info. And that, of course, would be the Houston Oilers, not the Edmonton Oilers. Yes. We've had a lot of Edmonton Oilers talk today on this station. (laughs) Yes, we have. And we're trying to keep our jobs. Um, Moving on. But the Vegas Raiders would be selecting Anthony Richardson with the fourth overall pick. Interesting. Dane Brugler has the Bears trading that fourth overall pick as well. So, again, this truly is dueling mock drafts as McShay and Brugler duel. He's got the Bears, though, trading with the Carolina Panthers. The Bears in Brugler's projected trade receive the number nine overall pick. The number 61 overall pick and a 2024 first round pick to Chicago for the number four overall pick, which, of course, was the Colts previously before these dueling mock drafts went back and forth. He has Dane Brugler, that is. He has the Carolina Panthers drafting Anthony Richardson with that fourth overall selection. So different teams, same prospect there. On to number seven. The Bears finally make their pick. And according to Todd McShay, he has Peter Skoronsky, the offensive tackle out of Northwestern. You heard someone uh, call earlier today. T.O., yes, T.O. It was T.O. saying he wanted Skoronsky, the Packer fan. Um, He also notes in here, though, alternatively, this course would be a perfect fit for Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter if Chicago is comfortable with its homework on the still unclear off-field situation with Carter. He said he had Carter landing with the Bears at four in his last mock, but there's too much that we don't know about Jalen Carter at the moment. So Dane Brugler has the Bears dealing with Carolina, not the Raiders, which means that the Bears would be selecting ninth in his mock draft. And he says for the Bears, this would be an outstanding scenario. By trading down twice, Chicago would own five picks in the top 64 this year. Number nine, number 35, 53, 61, and 64, plus... 
two additional first-rounders in the 2024 NFL Draft. The storylines for this pairing would be fun. He has the Bears selecting Lucas Van Ness, the defensive lineman from Iowa. Van Ness grew up a Bears fan living just outside of Chicago, so no Peter Skaronsky situation here. And Van Ness's girlfriend is the younger sister of Bears tight end, Cole Komet. All right. Way too many coincidences for my liking in Dane Brugler's draft. There is our dueling mock draft uh, with Meller and Aki in for Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. This is Spring Trading Tuesday. Same lovable ESPN Chicago host, but paired with different radio partners. Spring Trading Tuesday continues on ESPN Chicago. Wrapping things up here on the first spring trading of 2023. Remember, every Tuesday, uh, flip-flop of shows, hosts on different time slots. A little swinger party. Yeah. Throwing your keys into that bowl and pick out a new partner. See what happens. Maybe you'll find a match. Let's try Mo, who's in Frankfurt. Mo, what's going on? Who do you like for the Bears? Hey, guys. How you doing? What Good up, job Mo? so far, man. This is actually... Yeah, yeah. Don't tell me I'm on mute. You're not on mute. No, we we hear you. Loud we got you. Clear, we got you. I said, "What's up, Mo?" Tyler, Tyler, are they playing games with me? No, Mo, no we're responding to you. Mo, we can hear you loud and clear. Mo, are yeah, you no, playing games was, with um, us? No, no, never. Come on, you guys. I, you guys will beat me bad. Oh uh, no, <laughs> you guys are pretty, pretty two good hosts. Um, actually, and um, today's uh, the Tuesday thing. I love it. Good. The, the, the whole thing. A little change. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good to change it up a little, little bit. You know, makes and, everybody. Uh, and, and, yeah. and Carmen and Cap didn't fight, and that's good. Mm-hmm. 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 So that's good. Oh, here, um, you know what I was going to talk about was, um, you know, if the Bears do trade down, I, I want you. There's a guy out there, and I want you guys to look at this guy. His name is Cansey. Oh yeah, and he, he's from uh, he's a defensive guy from uh, Pittsburgh. Yep. Look at him. Yurko likes him. Too. Yeah, no, no, Mo. Yeah, the defensive tackle. Yeah, you're right. No, uh, Caleb. Uh, Caleb Kalijah. Kalijah Kalijah Kansi. Yeah, Yeah, no, no, Kalijah Kansi. Yeah, no, no, I've seen highlights. He's explosive. Um, A lot of his, if you look at his Raz score, um, raw athletic score that they put together at the Combine, he's really good. I mean, you know, the question is, he, while he was, he's got some really, really, some plays that just jump off at you on film, there are some times where he disappears a little bit. So I don't think he's like, I know some people have, they want to make the easy Aaron Donald comp because he's from Pitmo. But I think, I think you have to, you know, for me, not quite the Aaron Donald's uh, neighborhood just yet. No, no, no. I, I understand that it's totally fine. That's cool. That's cool. But like, if you want to go for a Will Anderson, yes. Now, now we're talking about Aaron Donald, right? But we're not talking about Aaron Donald. We're talking about trying to fix the whole team. Yeah. And I believe that if you trade down a few times, you can get this Cansey kid. Like, you can get him like at twelve mm. or something. Like, yeah. you know, you know? And, yeah. and 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 you have like what you were saying about five extra picks. You know, so yeah. you know, it's a it's a thought. No, That's no, no. It. listen, Mo, it's not a bad thought. I'll, I'll give you that. Like, uh, you know, I don't. The one thing is, I think there's been a wide variety of where Cansey has gone. Like at times, yes. I've seen him. 
enter the top ten. You know, right, that was Mel's Mel, first yep. mock draft. I think draft, he had a nine say. or ten. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I've then, also seen him fall out of the first round by Mel too. Yeah, <laughs> or he may <laughs> not have had him out of the first round, but he had him like thirty. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it just shows the variance that, that you're looking at in a prospect like that. And listen, all it takes is one GM to fall in love with you. Yeah, and you end up a top ten pick. But it also you can see yourself slide down the board if that's the consensus. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's uh, it's an, listen. He's a name that we've heard a little bit here, and he's been linked to the Bears in you know in Mel's mock draft and in one of his first mock drafts out there I know you know yes Yerko Mo has talked about how he really likes what he's seen on film from him um like I just like the one thing I do think people have to guard against is being a little bit lazy because he goes to pit because he's a defensive yeah. tackle doesn't a mean smaller doesn't mean he's the next yeah. Aaron Donald automatically right like there have been some times where he has disappeared and I think that was never an issue for Aaron Donald when you saw him on film it didn't matter. They were always a little concerned about his size, maybe being a little too small to be, uh, you know, your, a true uh, interior presence. Clearly, that has not been the case for Aaron Donald in yeah. the pros. He's a physical specimen, um, and he, you know, whether he weighs in at two eighty five or not, it's not an issue for Aaron Donald. Can't see at times can disappear a little bit on film, but there are also times where he's just a beast and explosive, and he can get to the quarterback. So. It depends. His win rate is not quite the same as Aaron, Aaron Donald. Though. And listen, you're comparing him to a first ballot Hall of Famer and a generational superstar. Yes. First, I don't think if that was the true comp, yeah. you'd see him at 30 of on course. a mock draft. He, again, it's, it's, it's simple. He, went, he yes. goes to pit. He's defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. If that's why people want to make the comparison. I don't think he's quite Aaron Donald, but that doesn't, that's okay. He could still be a great player in yes. this league. Mm-hmm. Um, World Baseball Classic starting tonight, Tyler. Are yes. you into it? I am into the World Baseball Classic, and here's one of the things. Uh, every year I'm surprised by it, right? Like, I, I, I don't try to have as much familiarity with the rosters. I kind of just sit down, and when I see the starting lineups yeah. on both sides, I like to be surprised. Of, okay, that line, that's that lineup, that's that lineup. And I, I've seen on Twitter, like, oh, the Dominican lineup's amazing. I did see, what, Vladdy Jr. is not going to be participating, yes, the, though. Yeah, because he's got an inflammation in his right. knee. But, like, all, all these different lineups are stacked. I, I'm a fan of the World Baseball Classic, but I just like to kind of watch it casually. Kind of like, I, I mentioned this the other day, kind of like how I like to watch tennis where I don't need to form an opinion on it. Mm-hmm. I just kind of watch for enjoyment. Yeah. No, I think that's a, a good way to handle it. I do think it could be, you know, baseball tried to tap into what the World Cup is in soccer, right? Mm-hmm. And the truth is the history is not there for baseball. But I'm with you. I am intrigued, and it can usually draw me in. But I do think it's it's so difficult with the sport because of pitching, right? And you're just – it's right it's right in the midst of spring training. Guys are trying to ramp up these players – who teams, especially the pitchers, they don't really want them there. Let's be honest. Right. Like every team's kind of like, hey, just okay. Don't get hurt if you have to go. Fine, but don't get hurt. And obviously, this is out of the control of the pitchers. And sometimes, you know, they ramp up, and it's one of those situations where you can't help it. You're playing for your country, so chances are it means more than just your random spring training game. And so, unfortunately, that's my biggest concern. And I think it's a hard situation where these players. I don't know. Like I like it. But it's hard to really. I, I, I don't know if it's just. It doesn't work the same as soccer does. And the reality is, I don't think you can ever find a spot on the schedule where it would work adequately because pitching is just such a weird, you know, situation when it comes to being an athletic endeavor. Right. You, you almost need to have it where it's kind of like what we saw with the Olympics and the NHL, where it breaks in the middle of the season. But no one wants to sign up for that from a team standpoint. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but that's tonight. 
Thanks to Kendra and Nick for producing this evening. Tyler, thanks for hanging out with me. Anytime. Um, and always, uh, don't forget, uh, Carmen, who's in North Riverside, would like to say goodnight. Carmen? Good night, Chicago.